Here comes the sun. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Here comes the sun, and I say it's all right. So I'd like to just jump right into it. Tell us just a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and then you can get right into your story. Yeah, so I'm Trenton Bass. I am from Hills, Minnesota. I am 21 years old currently. Um, I'm a senior at SDSU going for mechanical engineering, and I will graduate this May, May 7th. Um, I I'm have, not going to hold the SDSU thing against you. That's all right. He's USD all the way. <laughs> uh, I have two older brothers, Colton and Dalton, uh, a sister-in-law, Steph, a niece, Madeline, and a future sister-in-law, Emily. Um, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot exciting going on hills, so I really can't say much there. <laughs> I do have to give a shout out to your mom and dad. So Missy and Jeff Bass are your parents, yep. which we are. Uh, I have the privilege of being dear friends with your mother, who is a angel. So um, tell us a little bit about that day, Trenton. Yeah, so I was injured. Um, my senior year of high school, uh, it was the second football game of the season. I actually went to four days of high school in the first semester. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was the second game, one of our biggest rivals. Uh, it was an away game up in Mountain Lake, Minnesota. Um, kind of a back and forth game the whole time. You know, it was the fourth quarter, about a minute and a half left. Uh, they were kind of driving on us. We were up a touchdown. Um, and it, it was 28 to 20, I think. And yeah, they were driving on us. I think they were at like the 30 yard line or so. I kind of played D back linebacker. And so I was on, uh, playing cornerback at this, at this time. And, uh, the, uh, the play came my way. It was a run. I got around my blocker and was running kind of straight at the line. So right towards their sideline, kind of away from ours. And he was going towards the end zone. And I kind of dove straight forward. And he came from the side and kind of kneed the side of my head, which eventually or ended up breaking my C5, C6 vertebrae. Um, from there, uh, kind of felt like as soon as I made contact with his leg, like as soon as I touched him, I was like laying on the ground. Mm. And that was the first thing that I kind of noticed was weird because, you know, normally you feel the, the fall on the ground or like the impact and I didn't feel any of that. So that was the worst, the first thing that felt pretty weird. Um, and then, you know, I just wasn't getting up. I didn't really think anything of it. I just was kind of laying there. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was just something I really can't explain. I mm was not panicked in any way. I was just kind of laying there. I had a couple of teammates come up to me. They're like, come on, let's go. You know, it's, it's fourth down now. Um, we just stopped and made the tackle. You made the tackle, like, let's go. And then I wasn't moving. And so my coach came up to me and he was trying to talk to me. I had my mouth guard still in my mouth, my chin strap slid up over my mouth and I was trying to talk to him. Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't going so well. And, you know, it was the, can you feel this? Can you feel that? One of my teammates could hear him. I don't know why my coach couldn't. Mm. <laughs> but uh, he was like, you know, he said he can't feel anything. And so, you know, 
that's then it kind of got a little more serious for me. But uh, I still wasn't panicking. I was just laying on the field, just answering the questions to the best of my ability. My brother was a coach, so he was on the sideline. My dad, who's um, in the stands, obviously. They're both on the fire department, so they know what they're doing. My brother's an EMT, and so they were kind of leading the way. Um, and that really helped me stay calm, just having those guys there. Obviously, my brother was one of the big, biggest influences kind of during that time and at the first hospital, just like keeping me calm. Um, he did such such a good job at that. Wow. But uh, no, I was just answering their questions. Um, and then I en- they ended up taking the stretcher to the field. I uh, got in the stretcher, went to the ambulance. Uh, and that's when my coaches started coming up to me. That's the first time I got teary-eyed. Mm-hmm. Just seeing all their worried faces kind of got to me. Yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> when was this, Trent? Like, how long ago was this? Or do you remember the date that this happened? Yeah, to? so it was September 8th, 2017. 2017. Yep, so four and a half years ago About now. four and a half years ago. It'll be five years ago in September, yep. Nice. I find it interesting how much, how vivid you remember, like, the details to that day, like, the, how they were driving and that they were up and, like, four days into the high school and things like that. But I also find it pretty inspiring, like, who you are today and where you are today. So, like, help our listeners know what's a day in the life for you now. Like, you took us four and a half years ago in that day. Talk a little bit about who you are today. What do you do now? So, right now, obviously, my, I'm fin- finishing up college. And so, a typical day in the life at college is, you know, get up in the morning, go to class. Being a senior is a little different than being an underclassman, so I don't have many classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, either hanging out with my friends, kind of just in a senior hangout spot, um, or doing homework, mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah, I mean, not really exciting this semester because I'm almost done, so I don't really have a whole lot to do. Mm-hmm. So it's mainly doing a little bit of homework and then hanging out with friends. Um, a big thing that I'm doing right now is my senior design project, mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, when I graduate, it'll be getting up in the morning. <laughs> it'll be going to work, getting back, and then whatever I decide to do after that. I don't know yeah. where life will take me after this. So. so the other thing you described was C4 and C5. So I don't, for our listeners, again, what does that mean? What what broke and then what changed because of that injury? Okay, yeah. So I broke my C5, C6 vertebrae. So it's the cervical level injury. I broke my neck. Okay. Um, what happened was when he, when I made the tackle mm-hmm. and he kind of kneed my head and it snapped sideways, mm-hmm the C5 vertebrae kind of just fractured Mm. kind of everywhere. And those bone fragments were pushed into my spinal cord. Uh, And that is what caused like the bleeding and then ultimately like a bruise. And that is my injury. Mm. And so the surgery was kind of taking those bones out and then kind of making a paste, making a new bone, Mm. putting in the rods and screws. And then, um, yeah, Mm. fusing, um, fusing it up. So right now I have no use of my body kind of below my breastbone. Um, my arms work, my biceps work, but my triceps don't. So I can't like straighten my arm and then my hands don't work. It's mm. probably the biggest thing that affects my injury. I remember that day, obviously, the whole town of Hills and surrounding towns will remember that day forever. Um, I... That in talking with your mom and when you were on the way in the hot in the um, ambulance on the way to the hospital and you got to the hospital, I remember 
a literal uproar of prayer. Like you could feel it in the entire town because everybody was praying for there to like for this not to happen, right? Like, please, Lord, let Trenton come out of this. Let Trent Trent stand again. Let all those prayers were for you to be healed, miraculously healed. And when you're at the hospital and all those prayers are happening and that prayer is not being answered, go through that with me a little bit. Well, first off, there was never not like 40 people in the hospital visiting me. And so just that whole aspect of like community and never being alone, like always just that feeling of like people caring for you and like just being there for you. Um, that was like the biggest thing for me in the hospital. Obviously, you know, people are praying for the paralysis not to happen or for the surgery to go well and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously that is prayers not answered, but then you can look at it the other way and just look at the support that the community brought and maybe not just the surrounding community, but it can be uh, like the social media aspect and like how other people who don't know me saw like the faith and our community's prayers and all that. And then they decided to like start praying for me. And it was just the whole um, prayer warrior thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never big on that and really believe in like the prayer warrior thing. I don't want to say I didn't believe in it, but I never really understood it mm. until I was on the receiving end. And then going through that, I know like that was the reason I was so calm through all of it. It was just the thousands and thousands of prayers yeah. like every single day coming my way. Your Facebook, I mean, there was a, you know, your, it's yeah, still going. There was like 20,000 followers. Yeah, 20,000 like followers. It just escalated to people all over the world that were tuning in. And the news coverage, I mean, Sioux Falls, Kelloland, they they were over there many times. We actually made the news, which was funny because our, our kids made a big, huge piece of plywood. I think you have it in your garage still or something. Probably. <laughs> that was Trenton Strong. I mean, our community made, there's an actual logo for Trenton that Love was that. passed all over. It's still hanging up in people's windows in our, in our little small community. So um, tell me, when you were in the hospital, who, if not a couple, were the the, I guess the, the friends and the family that came to visit you that, that hit it really home with you? Um, I would say my brothers were probably the biggest ones. Just seeing them, um, I don't know. It just made me feel kind of safe and like calm. Like I said, my, my middle brother was the one that was there. He was a coach, um, on my team. This is Dalton. Dalton. Yes. And he's an EMT, so he knows how to handle that kind of stuff. So when I was in Wyndham, I got out of the CT scan. And that's when they like, you broke your neck. Um, you're going to have to go get surgery in Sioux Falls. There's a helicopter on the way. And I got out and then I saw my family and like more people from the game. And that's when the emotions really hit because that's when I realized that it was really serious. And so... Dalton was just like, <laughs> I remember I was like crying and he was just like looking at me, just like laughing. He's like, it's going to be okay. He's like, Aww. you're going to be fine. And then, yeah, just, he was like that the whole way through Sioux Falls. And he's just always been that rock. Same with Colton. I mean, those guys, it, I'm their little brother, you know, mm-hmm. and it was probably hard for them to see it, but they never really showed that in 
that really helped me a lot. Yeah. So you had to go through some really hard, hard therapy. We're talking physical therapy and you went to some of the best, best places here in the U S. So explain that, what that was like for you. Yeah. So (laughs) physical therapy in a wheelchair can look a lot different. You know, it's not lifting 300 pounds. It's not deadlifting, but it's, uh, learning how to live in a wheelchair with what I have now. And so I lost, you know, 80, 90% of the muscles that I had before this, I lost 40 to 45 pounds of muscle. Um, I didn't have the use of my legs or my abs or my back or anything like that. And so it's, how do I go through life with what I have? And that was like the focus of the physical therapy was learning how to transfer into bed, how to put on my shoes, how to feed myself, how to, um, yeah, anything. Seriously, it was it was everything, and it it was frustrating, and it took a long time, and it's still going today. I mean, I'm still learning how to do stuff. There's still stuff I can't do, um, but it's stuff I know I'll be able to do. Nice. So, I, I find myself embodying your story. Like I'm listening to you, and I'm trying to like put myself in your in your shoes, and I think about how in facing that scenario, like. What I'm curious about is when did your faith start carrying you through and how long was it like the faith of other people? Because like I'm wondering, like, when did the Holy Spirit begin to like speak to you? Because in the midst of all that calamity and chaos, you know, again, you probably are not in a place where you're like hearing from God to say, Trent, it's okay. I have a purpose for this. This is going to work out for good. Trust me. And I'm just curious, like, when did like the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you and give you the purpose behind this event? And how long was it that other people's like faith was carrying you through? I would say for the first good, honestly, probably two years, it was just relying on other people's faith just Mm -hmm. to get me through this and other people's prayers. I remember one time though, I was in Avera, so I was in um, the hospital I had surgery in, I was probably in there for maybe a week and a half at this point. Mm-hmm. And everyone who knows me knows I love my sleep and I just could not sleep. Same. And just too many lights and like noises of the hospital and I just could not fall asleep. And so I just, I prayed, prayed to God. I was like, God, just help me sleep. I was mm-hmm. like, please. I was like, just tonight. I was like, just help me get some good sleep. And as soon as I was done with that prayer, I just instantly felt tired. And then I woke up the next morning. And that was like the first time that I knew Mm. that I could like talk to God and like Mm. pray. And he was listening. And so that was was the first time that I really knew that he was with me through all this. Mm. But yeah, probably Mm. for the first two years, though, I did like rely on other people's faith kind of to get me through this. That's powerful. Trent, I've had... I've, I've talked to a couple other quadriplegics, um, paraplegics, and uh, you explained to me what that means because for somebody who is not, and that's not the world I live in, I didn't even know. So can you just to give those an explanation of what that even means, the definition? Yeah. And I mean, I didn't know before I was injured either. Right? So, um, so kind of the paraplegic, quadriplegic, paraplegic. So if you think of like your four limbs, your arms and your legs, a paraplegic just has two limbs affected and so like the legs 
quadriplegic is all four limbs. So my arms are affected because like my hands don't work, my triceps don't work, and obviously my legs don't work. And so that would be like the kind of the difference between quadriplegic and paraplegic. And there are some quadriplegics who can still walk. It's called an incomplete injury. And so some people break their neck and they can still walk. It's not the same as it was before, but that would still be like a quadriplegic because it's still affected in some way. So it's a really confusing line. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, since this has happened to you and since you guys have started your ministry, your nonprofit, which is called game plan for hope. Um, I, I've learned so much when it comes to the difference in all of this, this stuff and what you can do and what you can't do. And actually how, um, how it happens a lot. It happens a lot more than people think when it comes to injuries and football injuries or snowmobile injury. Um, there's there's a lot of people that are landing in wheelchairs just due to a really freak accident. And so what what can you tell a family out there that is going through something? Because it's so sudden. It's like you literally within a second, this happened to you. And so your family has wrapped their arms around you and the communities wrapped their, their, their arms around your whole entire family. But what can you tell somebody who may be going through this for the very first time? My biggest thing that I've learned through this is just to take it day by day. I mean, when I think back to when I was in the hospital, there's no way I would have thought that I would be at where I'm at right now. And I know that there's still so much more for me. And so you can't just look into the future and think that's going to happen right away. And so the biggest thing that I would say is just take it one day at a time. I mean, have your faith and stay anchored, but just take it one day at a time. Don't, don't rush into things. Don't expect things to happen when that's miles down the road. Um, yeah, I, I look at families that are nonprofit has helped. And I mean, I think that I have a good, you know, the grass is always greener and I have talked to, um, other people in my situation who are in the hospital and I, I just try to tell them like, you're going to be okay. Like you're going to be so much better than you are right now. This is like the lowest of your low, you know, you're so fragile and you can do nothing for yourself, but it's not always going to be like that. Um, that's definitely what I would say to myself if I could go back and like talk to myself. Yeah. I mean, you've learned so many valuable lessons through all of this. Um, even the transfer, when you have to transfer from your bed into your wheelchair or your wheelchair into your bed, the amount of energy and just, it, it takes a lot. And so when that happened to you, I started to go through in my head, like I get to stand up every single morning and I get to walk to the bathroom and I get to reach for a glass. And so all these little teeny things that you don't think about until something really tragic happens to someone you love, do you actually go through that? And so having a grateful heart is what it sounds like to, what you're explaining is like to continue to have a grateful heart, to not feel sorry for yourself because that's when you can really hit the low, you know, that's when you can get to a really bad place if you do not continue to take it day by day, like you're explaining. So did you ever have those moments though, in the very beginning? I mean, I still get like really frustrated, obviously. You're human. (laughs) Um, I mean, something so simple as like dropping something on the ground and then I have to go pick it up or 
Yeah. Just anything like that makes me really frustrated. And then I try to just think back to like, there are, there are others who obviously don't even have as good as I do. You know, yeah. I think a lot, like if only my hands worked, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with being in a wheelchair as long as my hands worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I'm sure there's people who are in a wheelchair and only their legs don't work. And, you know, it's just, like I said, it's, the grass is always greener. It's perspective. Um, mm-hmm. And so just trying to keep the man, that mentality of perspective. Your mom, uh, when you were out in therapy, you were in Colorado, correct? What was the name of it? Craig Hospital in Denver. In Denver, yeah. And it, the the care and the help there was tremendous. Yeah, I think it's like a top 10 rehab hospital in the nation for like the last 30 years or something like that. And there's different units. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you were in a unit and then there were there was another unit where they had traumatic brain injury. And I recall a story of you going into that unit and you saw what could have happened if your injury was just one more vertebrae up. Yeah, I mean... Injuries, injuries are really different. Like the the whole brain injury to kind of spinal cord injury, but yeah, they are all so close together, and just like one vertebrae up can really affect a lot of things. And the same with like the the traumatic brain injury because those injuries are so complex. Um, our nonprofit help helps people with that a lot. Um, and they are, they're really difficult to go through, not only on the person, but on the family members and on the caretakers. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that probably makes me look back or look into my own life and just really notice how lucky I am to not be in that situation. Maybe not lucky, but, um, I'm just grateful for kind of the situation I'm in compared to some other people. Yeah. It's powerful. You know, I think about going through hard stuff, witnessing people go through hard stuff, going through my own challenges and struggles. And I think about the importance of having a good attitude, you know, and that's one thing that I'm impressed with right now. Just hearing you talk about it and just like the positive mindset that you're keeping even in it today. The other thing I think about when I'm listening here is like, you know, I was asking you earlier about the spirit and like, where's God in it? And how did God show up for you? And and how is God still showing up for you? And one of the things I think about, Trent, is when things happen to me, I say that there's what I see and then what and then there's what God's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's like this physical world that people see where this your physical disability, whether it's your, you know, your household makeup. Right. Because your dad's not around or there's a divorce in your home or whatever. Like and there's like what people see or what happened to me. And then there's what God's doing with it. You know, and so when I hear you have this like life today of having a nonprofit ministry and being able to help people, it's really inspiring to see what God has done with what happened. And so I just offer that like a reminder to you as you continue to go through tomorrow and the day after and the day after and others. But like speak to that, like how this event has kind of turned from a one event to like a bigger thing that is giving God glory and and how how do you how, what is your experience with that? Um, it's it's uh, like you said, I, and I mentioned earlier, I I do do ministry, and I talk with two of my best friends. Um, we do kind of talks to 
youth groups. We just did one with church and that's really helped me grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talk about our faith kind of as friends and I was in high school before this happened and, you know, high schoolers don't talk about their faith with each other. And now that we're kind of gone through all this and we've kind of grown, grown out of that and we do talk about faith with each other. Um, we share podcasts with each other and we, I mean, we don't talk about it all the time, but it's not something that we're afraid of doing anymore. And so that's something that's really changed is just not being afraid to show my faith to my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that is definitely where I've grown the most. Um, another thing I always say is sometimes you don't know what it's like to have faith until faith is all you have left. Come on. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, my, my life completely changed. I kind of lost all of the things I was good at. I was athletic before. I kind of lost all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go through college and I still think about, you know, what would my life be like in college if I wasn't in a wheelchair? Um, mm-hmm. I see... Uh, my friends and family golf all summer and I love doing that, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah. No, that's really good. And you, you remind me of something else in my spirit too. And a couple of things. One is these events that happen to us in our lives bring us closer to God, don't they? Like, Absolutely. Like it's the hard stuff that is the catalyst for like the building the relationship to grow, draw closer to God. And like for those of us who do believe, like that's the purpose. Like we're here to get to know ourselves, find ourselves, and then get, grow closer to God. And I think about how <clears throat> people will pray for courage, and then God provides you an opportunity to be courageous. People will pray that oh, my family would be closer and more tight knit. And then what happens is your family is faced with a challenge that brings you together and makes you tight knit. Absolutely. And so like there is that there that, that kind of that spiritual eyesight that you recognize that these events were not, you know, they were for me, right? They they did they didn't destroy me, they developed me and those types of things. But the other thing that I in my spirit when you're talking is I remind people, I say, it's easy to put God first when all you got is God left. Right. When when things are stripped away and all all you got is your faith, it's easy to turn to God. But my encouragement is to keep God first. Right. When God returns back onto you, the things that were once gone and they start returning like your friends or your family or your mobility, keeping God first, because when all you got is God left, it is easy to hold on to that faith. And the, the last caution is to recognize that sometimes it does get worse before it gets better. Right. So there is not just all of a sudden smooth selling It's going to be bumpy. It's going to stay bumpy. But like these events that bring us closer in our faith allows for us to like develop a stronger relationship with God. And then now, no matter what, how big the problem is, God is bigger than that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Trent, tell me who's one. You've met a lot of really incredible people through this process uh, and, and you've been to a couple camps and you've. Um, had opportunities, obviously, that you would not have otherwise. So tell me a little bit about some of the greatest experiences you've had. And uh, I know you've met a couple famous people in certain situations. So if you could just share a little bit about that. Yeah, kind of one of the good things about your story getting huge is uh, (laughs) you get a lot of recognition. Um, And so I had, when I was in the hospital, I had a bunch of NFL players and coaches like sending videos and stuff to me. Um, when I was out in Denver at Craig, Peyton Manning called me when I was in the hospital room. And so just stuff like that was, um, beyond cool. 
But then obviously it goes beyond that to like, I was getting invited to go to like football games and tour stadiums and stuff like that. And so mm. that stuff was really cool. Um, actually, when I first got back from Craig, uh, the Vikings invited me to go up to um, a game in practice. And so my family went up there on a Saturday. We kind of watched the pregame practice. I met all the players, got stuff signed. And then we were on the field before the game uh, for the Vikings game. And so that was, I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> nice. yeah. that. That was one of the coolest things that has happened out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it, it was fun to watch when you guys got to go to that because you had a bit, pretty big smile on your face. Definitely. <laughs> I love it. Um, so there's a lot of really great stories out there. I have attended a couple conferences where there, um, there's a beautiful lady who speaks all over the world too. And of course I'm going to blink on her name, but, um, are there any current like paraplegics or quad quad? I always say that word wrong. Quadriplegic. Thank you, Trenton. <laughs> um, that you inspire, like that have inspired you to be this Trenton that you're Trenton con- strong. Yeah. That you're going to continue. So can you give me an example of any one story? Um, just like the whole um, game plan for hope thing. I mean, it really hits home when there's a kid or a person in our area who our family is helping. And I mean, my I get asked to like go talk to them and just kind of give them motivation and an outlook on what to expect and just to just to be there and tell them that's going to be okay and kind of give them um, a path to follow and to look forward to. Um, and so that's probably the thing that I enjoy the most and that kind of brings me joy is helping others yeah. when I can. Mm. Um, but I don't, I can't really think of one that I kind of have taken inspiration from. I did some research before we met and I was reading a lot of stories about other people and my heart was touched to over and over and over from stories of people on riding horseback and falling off and hitting their neck on the sidewalk. Mm. I mean, just it almost every single story, it's a split second, mm. you know? So I, I could go on and on after reading some of these, but, um, yeah, it happens more often than you think. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, game plan for hope. I, I, love to hear about what you guys are doing and I get to hear about it often with your mother, but if you could explain to me a little bit about what that ministry is and what your guys' ultimate goal is. So it kind of started off when I was in the hospital. Um, like I said, my story got really big and so everyone wanted to help in any way they could. Um, so people were sending us all kinds of things and some of them were helpful, but there was just too many things. Um, a lot of it I couldn't use. It just wasn't useful to me. And so my parents kind of started to get the idea that we needed to pay it forward. And so they ended up starting Game Plan for Hope with another another family in our community um, who lost a son to cancer. And so what Game Plan for Hope is now, uh, obviously we still give away equipment and accept donations and stuff like that, but we're, uh, we are like... Hmm, liaisons, there you go. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. We are, we're there for families who need help. And it's not just spinal cord injuries. It's all, it's anything uh, life-changing. And we are there emotionally. We are there to kind of guide you through insurance and where to go to the hospital Mm. and anything like that. 
uh, we just help those families in any way we can. The um, transition. The transition, yeah. There's, um, there's so much that, in, I mean, because there's the stuff, right? But what I heard you say was emotional. And that probably is the hardest, right? Like to, to really navigate and adjust to what you're emotionally going through. And so what I love about what you're doing at Game Plan for Hope is that it is Christian-based. Therefore, you are openly sharing your faith with every single family who may not have faith. Um, so being able to spread God's word and hope through this ministry, is it's pretty outstanding. Yeah, just sharing what, what really helped me and my family get through it. My mom's really good at reaching out to those families and um, sharing what helped her and what helped me. And then obviously um, for the other family too, who lost their son to cancer. They help families um, who have no idea how to go through this, just the emotional side of it and the faith side of it and what helped them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited I um, for future episodes. Uh, make sure to stay tuned because Heather will, the mom, she yeah, will be Heather. speaking. Yep. Yep, she'll be speaking on this podcast and telling her story too. So um, one other question I have for you is you're going to college right now for mechanical engineering. And when it comes to uh, equipment, adaptive equipment, you have a dream, kind of. It's maybe like to, to this innovative way of making things a little bit more easy. Yeah. I mean, just having that whole engineering mindset. And I think being in a wheelchair, I just think of so many things that would just help me out and make things easier mm -hmm. every day. And, um, yeah, the equipment side of it is really, really fascinating. I kind of wish that STSU had the uh, biomedical engineering because that's just a really cool thing. And I feel like I have uh, an insight that a lot of people don't Yeah, <laughs> building do. those things of equipment. And so, um, yeah, that would be a really cool job to get. But um, uh, we don't really have that around here. It's just not like, a big enough city. I was going to say yes. Yes, yes, yes that's good. <laughs> Yeah. This this right now could be the beginning of you saying, I want this to happen and someone hears it and you're gonna get a phone right. call, Trenton. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Here here's what here's another thing in my spirit and I, I just think about this. I'm a person who believes in like change and leadership and influence and like you're embodying all three things. And I think about like again, looking at you through my spiritual eyes, it's like there are no coincidences in life. There's only purpose and destiny. And we know that the Lord doesn't put on us more than we could bear. Now, for someone else to go through what you went through, it might be more than what they could bear. But God knew that Trenton Bass could handle this event and this incident. And I think about how many positive, not only personal experiences that you've had since the incident that God has allowed to happen, but just like all of the encouragement and blessing and like glory that's being given on to like the power of God in life. And so even in my own background, I think about being done competing as a collegiate hurdler. I have so much more fulfillment talking to people about hurdling life than I ever would have been being an Olympic hurdler. And so, like, I know some days yeah, I heard you say, like, would it be nice to have been playing football or to be doing golf? But none of that compares to, like, the glory that is being manifested from the way you're carrying what has happened with you and how you give that glory to God. Yeah, kind of to build off that, I've um, I've always said that, you know, if I could go back and not play football, um, 
I think I would probably be in the situation from another type of accident. Mm. I just think that it was a God thing. Mm. And then I also go look back and I look at my teammates and I just think of all of those guys and I don't know how they would have handled it, handled it. And I don't know if it would have been as good as I handled it. So mm. then I think back to them and I'm just glad that it was me and mm. like the way I handled it and the support mm. that I had, because mm. I don't know if they would have had that. Mm. And so that really makes me, um, glad that it was me mm. in that sense. Yeah. You're living your destiny, bro. I can see it. It's all over you, you know, and you, we just, when we choose to believe that we're able to have peace in this thing called life. Like when we, when we believe that, the things that happened to us were for us and that we can use those things to glorify God. Yeah, I definitely would not be here um, if I wasn't hurt out of high school sharing my faith on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Praise God. Um, I have, so a couple other friends of mine that are paraplegics, I've asked them this very blunt question because I I think in our society, we tiptoe around, um, you know, being handicapped and all the different terminology and all the different things. And I don't want to offend you if I were to help you. And how do I help you? How do I not help you? What is, you know, and um, they, they shared with me that even like taking off the coat, like someone wants to take off, I can take off my own coat. You know, people step in and want to help because they, that's what they want to do. Like they, they don't know the boundary. And so do you have any stories about that or advice? Um, I can just say my thoughts on it. Obviously, everyone is really different. I'm super open about my injury and I accept help. Um, some people are not like that and they just just have a bad attitude in general. Um, but what I would say, the thing that maybe doesn't bother me, but I think that is kind of, there's like a taboo around it that I disagree with. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's a kid in a restaurant and they're like, pointing at me and like asking why he's in a wheelchair. And then the parent just goes like, don't like talk to him or like, don't ask him about that. I think that's kind of where it begins. It's like the kind of seeing people as like different, um, you know, they're just curious, like Mm. let them ask a question. I have no problem telling them like what happened that I was hurt or whatever. Um, so that's where I kind of think that the whole separation between, um, like helping people and like, just the the weird taboo emotional uh, separation between like people helping people in wheelchairs and then yeah I love that perspective the the what you just did with the correlation of a child and as a parent and us being like don't point don't yeah. like like you know that yeah that's no. beautiful thank yeah. you for sharing that because I hope more people will actually take that take that to heart and ask the questions. But again, there are those angry individuals out there who, like you said, that don't take it as nicely. Yeah. Yeah, Just, just be genuine and try, don't ask personal questions right away. Just ask if there's anything you can do to help. Um, That would probably be the biggest thing because I do need help doing some things in public. Um, So asking for help is sometimes difficult. And so if you can help someone and you see that they're in need of help, just ask and if and if they do get mad at you, don't get offended. Yeah, they just right. have, have an angry spirit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's such a blessing in that though too to ask for help, you know. And I think I know with with the um, the podcast, we're hoping to draw people out who are going through hard stuff that they would open up and ask for help. You know, that's what humility is: is that is. that willingness to ask for help, that willingness to receive it, and the recognition that that you need some of it. And when we humble ourselves to be open to that. I believe on the other side of humility is exactly what you're praying for. So 
that was the biggest thing. One of the biggest things I had to get over um, was asking for help. Yeah. I mean, I obviously came from being really independent and being a, a strong athlete in high school to buff. Yeah, he <laughs> well, was very buff. I do have to say, Trenton, because we have to close up here in just a second, but two days prior to your accident, you were walking away from me and I looked at your mom and I'm like, oh, he has the best like waddle when he walks. Like he had this... <laughs> Like you had a swagger about you nice. and it was the true athlete. Like Trenton was a true athlete. And so breezy. <laughs> it was so, it was so fun to watch you. But I, um, I want to ask in closing, just, you obviously have dreams of like marriage, children. Is there anyone in your life right now? There's not. There's not. Single. Okay. Single. Hello. Any no. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> um, I am excited to watch the when marriage and children and just to watch you develop into your career and any of that. Yeah, that is where the biggest thing of hope and like faith comes from right now um, or comes from because looking into that is like the biggest hurdle and challenge I'll have in my life after college is like marriage and then eventually kids and just being a father and what that'll look like is really daunting. And um, so, yeah looking forward to it, but it's also a huge task that'll be in the future. So, and I do remember you saying day by day, day by day, day, by day. Right? don't look, don't look forward to it yet. God yeah. will bring, God will bring it to yep. you. Well, thank you so much. This has been an honor to, to hear your story and absolutely. Um, in our show notes and everything, we'll have ways that they can uh, reach your nonprofit and reach out to you if need be. So thank you. Absolutely. Yep.